he was he had a he's like oh we're doing good evening <laughs> hope you are all doing well today we are learning maseches yevamos daflam and vav and we are starting almost halfway down on the amud so lam and vav and almost halfway down amar lazar efshar that's where we're starting from yesterday we uh, began a machlokas we learned the machlokas of yochanan and reish lakish about uh, the status of chalitza when a woman is pregnant. So the case is Ruvain is married to Rachel and uh, Ruvain died. Ruvain's brother Shimon is now uh, the Yavam and Rachel is the Yavama. And we find out that she is pregnant, but he had already done chalitza. So does the chalitza count? Rav Yochanan says that the chalitza counts and Reish Lakish says that the chalitza does not count. Um, and that is actually right where we're picking up from in the Gemara. How can it be that the Shita of Reish Lakish doesn't have a Marimakum in the Mishnayis? It has to be that it's rooted in the Mishnayis. Why does it have to be that way? So some of the Mephorshim point out is because clearly Rebbe Lazar holds like Reish Lakish. And therefore, he says, if this is the din, it's too basic of a din. Everybody knows that all of Yibum is dependent on whether or not she has children. So if she's pregnant, that should be a major highlight discussion. So therefore, it has to be that there's a Mishnah. So Nafak, he went out, duck, and he searched the Ashkach, and he found the following Mishnah that implied, like the Shita of Reish Lakish, halfway down, it's not. The Mishnah writes, Ha'isha shahalach baila. Vitsarasa, the Medina Sayam. So a man, uh, a, a woman who goes to Shahalach Baila, there's, there's a woman in town. Her husband and Sarah go on vacation, the Medina Sayam. That can't be fun. And then uh, people tell her, while your husband was on vacation, he died. This woman who was left back in town, she cannot marry, nor can she do yibum. We don't know what the status is of her tzara, and there is no yibum in a case where he has children. So if the tzara ends up producing a child, so then that would mean that there is no yibum status. And then what does she do with all the brothers? So that's really what's going on here. And that's what the Gemara is concerned about. And uh, we're not allowed to... The Gemara says we're not allowed to really do anything. So says the Gemara, I understand why you can't do Yibum. The, the Tzara might be pregnant. Maybe the child that the Tzara will have will be a viable child. And therefore, and then if you were to do Yibum in this case, then you'd be sleeping with your brother-in-law. The only heter of Yibum is when there's no children. So the case is like this. Ruvain has, uh, has, uh, has uh, two wives. He has Rachel and Shoshana. And uh, Ruvain and Shoshana go out of town. And then we find out that Ruvain dies, but the Tzara is still alive. So the two wives are alive, but the husband is dead. When does Yibum apply? Only with no children. But we don't know if the Tzara is pregnant or not. So therefore she, Rachel, cannot do any Yibum until we find out what's going on. If she goes and marries Shimon, Ruvain's brother, and they sleep together, and then it turns out later that the Tzara was really pregnant and had a child, there was no Heter Yibum. That's Eshes Ach, that's an Isser Doraisa. So we understand why Yibum is not allowed. Why should it be that we're not allowed to do Chalitza? Of course, you cannot do Chalitza during the, ninth, uh, during the nine months and get married. Because we don't know what, what the story is going to be down the road with the Tzara, whether or not she's going to have a baby. Why can't we have a scenario where we do Chalitza now? Chalitza doesn't, you're not, there's no Tash Meshamita in Chalitza. Why can't you do Chalitza now? And we'll see what happens with the Tzara. If she has a baby and the baby lives for 30 days, great. Uh, then we know that I, that Ruvain, that, that Shimon cannot marry Rachel, or I should say that Rachel cannot marry Shimon. So what do we see from here? 
we see from here that no chalitza is allowed. That's exactly what Reish Lakish said yesterday. Reish Lakish said that when a woman is pregnant and chalitza is done, we don't even care about the chalitza. The language yesterday was chalitza smeuberes lo shma chalitza. That if a man does chalitza to a woman who's pregnant, it is an irrelevant act. And if we then find out later that taka, there were no children, he has to chalitza again. The chalitza during that period of time is a zero. And that is implied from this Mishnah. So we started with our Gemara today with Rabbi Lazar trying to find a marimakum for Reish Lakish. And we have found a, a subtle hint. It's not blaring, but we found a hint in a Mishnah. Says the Gemara, according to your logic, the Mishnah should have said something else. Both the chalitza and the marriage should be done after the ninth month. How do you know that the implication is that you're allowed to do chalitza, that you're not allowed to do chalitza during, maybe you're allowed to do chalitza during the ninth, during the, during the pregnancy. You just can't marry. The Mishnah doesn't say that. We are not able to learn anything from this Mishnah about Reish Lakish. Why is that? These two Amorayim, they both said the same thing. Maybe really there will be a child born from this man through his tzorah. Let's say you do, let's say you do chalitza during the nine months. And then what's the conclusion? You did chalitza. And then it turns out that, uh, that there was a child. So what happens? So if, if there was chalitza, then what's that woman's status to a Kohen? She's a surah to a Kohen. If you do chalitza, then that's a chalitza. Kohen's not allowed to marry chalitza. So let, the case is where, let's say he does chalitza, and then it turns out that the chalitza was unnecessary because a baby was born from the Torah. Then there's no yibum. There's no mitzvah of yibum in that case. So then the Gemara says, we'll have to go back after the chalitza and say, oh, wait, 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 no, no. No, it was a mistake. The chalitza that was done was a zero because the tzara had a baby. There was no even the chalitza was irrelevant. So it says the Gemara, then you have to announce she's back on the Kohen market. It's like on your, you know, your Jewish dating profile available to Kohen. So she checked off not available. Chalitza, I'm a chalitza girl. And then everything changed. Oh, uncheck the box. So they said, we have to announce to all the Kohanim, Rachel's available because Rachel's tzara had a baby. So Ruvain has a child, which means there's no even the chalitza was a zero. So says the Gemara, it's going to make create all this confusion. Says the Gemara, no, big deal. Go make your announcement. Says the Gemara, we can't do that. Why not? Because we're three-fourths of the way down. Maybe there will be people who were there, they witnessed the chalitza, but they did not hear the follow-up announcement that really the tzara had a baby and there was no yibum in the first place. The Asi they'll incorrectly say, that kashari chalutza the kohen. Look at these lenient rabbis. They've allowed a chalutza to marry a kohen. She's not a chalutza. She's not because Rachel Sarah had a baby, which means that the whole construct of Yibum is not even present or relevant. Doesn't matter. We are afraid of having this chalitza to be done. Therefore, Abaye says we cannot learn anything from this Mishnah. Is the chalutza also Doraisa? No. Chalutza to a kohen is Nisr de Rabbanu. Okay. But still, it's Nisr de Rabbanu. And the child has a status midrabanan of a halal. It's not good. It's very, it's very messy. It's not, it's not like a good idea. You know, like, like a slice of cheese and a slice of corned beef is also an Isr It's a very bad idea. We don't mess around like eating. Unless they're cooked together, it's an Isr If they're cooked together, that's when all, that's when all these shilas, we've spoken about this, all the shilas about owning stock in Burger King, all of these shilas are dependent on whether or not they're actually considered uh, cooked first. Everything else is derabanan. So that's why the post game discussed like there's kulas during the during the time that we wait after milk and meat. There's kulas for uh, for people who are sick. There's kulas for nursing mothers. There's kulas. There's a lot of kulas out there. 
So the formal Isser de Rabbanon of that slice of cheese and slice of meat is one hour. The Isser de Rice is when they're cooked together. After the one hour, that's when all of our Minhagim come. Three hours, four hours, five hours in a minute, five and a half hours, six hours, 24 hours is the sheets on the Gemara, which we don't hold like, obviously. But all of that is all on the, on the Minhag side of things. But, uh, but this is not the kind of Isser de Rabbanon that you want to mess around with. Can I go look back in the Brisa that you tried to bring to prove Rish Lakish? It doesn't say Lotachlots. It says Lotinase Velotisyabim Tani. What's implied? Below Chalitza. The Mishnah doesn't even speak about Chalitza. Aval, Ichalitzla. If in fact you did Chalitza, Hachanami Desharia. Maybe in fact it would be that it would work out if it ended up being that no baby was born. It's possible. It's a theoretical possibility, but it's not a Raya Brura for anything about Rish Lakish. We have a, a brisa that seems to support the sheet of Reish Lakish. And let's just remind ourselves that Reish Lakish was of the opinion that that if a man, if Shimon does chalitza to Rachel and it turns out that Rachel's pregnant, it is an irrelevant chalitza. Let's see how we can see that in this brisa. If a man does chalitza to a woman who's pregnant and she miscarries, look what the brisa says. She needs a new chalitza. Why would she need a new chalitza? She had it already. Elamai, it must be that Rish Lakish is right. Because Rish Lakish said, if you do a chalitza at the fourth month of pregnancy, and then the baby is a, is a nefel, the baby unfortunately passes away. What does the Mishnah say? Go get another chalitza. It didn't count. That is Rish Lakish. And this Bryce is a beautiful riot. And we paskin like him, seemingly, we paskin like Reish Lakish in three cases. The first is ours, the first one, in this case, that is that if you do a chalitza in the midst of pregnancy, no matter what the conclusion is, there will need to be another chalitza of that, even if that child dies, or actually only if that child dies. There needs to be another chalitza because the baby's alive. There's no need for any chalitza, right? The baby lives 30 days. So that's what the Gemara says. That's din number one. Idach, what's the second one? Five lines from the bottom, Lamed Vav The second case where we hold like Reish Lakish is as follows. It's not. We know that there is a din of Yerusha. The halacha of Yerusha is, I am your youngest child, dad, but if you do want to give me a little bit more bank, this Gemara is going to support me a little bit because I'm not your oldest, but he's my my oldest brother should get uh, should get two X. What? Pishnayim still work. a But right here, what the Gemara is going to say is, let's say that this case is where the father wants to dole out his inheritance in an abnormal way. So normally it's two X X X X. That's normally how it works. But here, what the Gemara says is Hamachalik Nechasav Alpiv. Instead of doing it according to Torah, if he does by his own uh, by his own volume, Reba. He gives more to one child, he gives less to another. And the older child is treated equally like all of the other siblings. The din is, as long as you don't call it a Yerusha, you call it a Matana, you're good to go. So you can give, as a parent, you can give any Yerusha you want to your children. Not Yerusha, excuse me. You can give any Matana you want to your children. However, the Omar Mishum Yerusha, if you say, as a father, I would like to give you a Yerusha, then you have to follow the Torah's formula. 2x, x, x, x. Oldest child gets double, everybody else gets less. So if you say, if you say, because it's, a, it's like oil and water, I'm going to give you a Yerusha. The youngest child gets the most money. The oldest child doesn't get 2x. Uh, the middle child gets 1.5. Totally arbitrary. But you also call it a Yerusha, it's a zero. It's as if you didn't say one word. It's as if the Gemara says, Let's say you write somewhere in your uh, in your conditions, in addition to saying that it's a Yerusha, you also write that it's Mishum Matana, then Dvarav Kayam, because then you contrasted your Yerusha with a Matana. Says the Gemara, top of Lamed Vavam and Beis, 
It has to be that you are explicit. Child X, you get this. Child Y, you get that with the language of Matana. And it has to be specified to each child. It can't be a global comment. Rish Lakish says it has to be a specific comment. And this is the second case where we see that we hold like rubber. Case number three. The third case is as follows. It's not. A person writes all of his um, all of his property, all of his uh, all of his all the things that he owns, livno to his son after he dies. Rashi here highlights something that we wouldn't have thought from the basic uh, phrasing of the Gemara, but Rashi says eight lines down, the halacha is that if a father says from today until after I die, um, the, and he says, I'm giving you everything, then the father, is, he no longer has rights to the principle of what he gave away. He only has the fruits of. So if a, if a father says, I'm giving you the orchard, we mark how many fruits are on the tree as of day X, and all payros can go to the father still, but not the principle. The orchard is no longer his. So that's what the Mishnah says here. He's not allowed to sell the, the sell what he want, what he gave to his kid, he can't sell it to anybody else because he already gave it to his son. They're in some ways they're partners. If in fact the father did break the rule and he tried to sell the orchard, so then then the payros, that which the father had as a benefit, that's all he can sell because it's all that's exclusively his. So let's say this again. The father says, from today until the day I die, I'm giving you my orchard. So the din is that at that moment, the father only has rights to the orchard and the child can restrict his father from, the father only has rights to the payros of the orchard and the son can restrict his father from selling the principal. So the machar ha'av, if in fact the father does sell things, then the payros, the extras, what goes beyond the principal can be sold, but only until the day he dies. He gets nothing. If the child tries to sell it because the child has no rights other than the principal and can't sell the principal because it's co-owned by his father, so then the buyers get nothing until the death of the father. The Itmar, the Amoraim say about this Mishnah. Let's say the son tried to sell things in the life of the father and then and then the son dies before the father, a complicated case. Rav Yochanan Amar lo kana lokeach. That is not a Kenyan. Reish Lakish Amar kana lokeach. There is a Kenyan. What is their What is their argument about? Rav Yochanan Amar lo kana lokeach because Kenyan peros ki Kenyan haguf dami. The reason why this doesn't work is because the peros, which is beyond the principle, and the actual orchard itself are treated like one Kenyan. Reish Lakish Amar kana lokeach. The reason why there is a Kenyan here is because Kenyan peros lav ki Kenyan haguf dami. We do distinguish. We separate the purchase. Uh, of the uh, of the orchard itself from the payros, and there is some type of quasi purchase here. These are the three cases in which we paskin like Reish Lakish. Our case that chalitzas meuber says losh machalitza. The case of Yerusha, where a father is allowed to break the rules of Yerusha by calling it a matana and specifying to each child what they're getting, even if it's out of age order. And this third case about selling a field together.
That brings us to a third of the way down, Lamed Vav, Amid Beis, let's continue. We had said in our Mishnah that Ein Havlad Shel Kayama, we were talking about this case, that if the child doesn't exist, v'chule. says the Gemara, uh, against our Mishnah, Tanami Shum Rabbi, Rabbi Eliezer, Amru Yotzi Beget. Whereas in our Mishnah, in this case, if the child doesn't survive, our Mishnah said they can be Yekayim, they can stay married. Rabbi Eliezer doesn't agree with our Mishnah, and he says that they need a get. Omar Rava, this is agreed upon by two people. It's agreed upon by Rav Meir, Rav Lazar, Amru Dabar Echa. This Rav, Rabbi Eliezer from one lineup, who says that even if the child dies, there needs to be a get. Seemingly, Rav Meir and Rabbi Eliezer both say the same thing. Rabbi Eliezer Hade Amran, he just, that's the Brysa right here, where he says that if in fact, if in fact there is, even if the child dies, that we are, we require a get. What's Rav Meir's Mari Makom? How do we know that Rav Meir agrees that we would need a get in this case? Because Detanya, a brysa, um, connected, I guess, but it's very different than our case. Detanya, the brysa writes, Let's say that there's a friend, and the friend passes away, and his wife is either a meuberes or a menekes. She's either pregnant or she's nursing. You should not marry her. And if, in fact, you do marry her, that's not right. You're not allowed to marry her. You have to divorce her, and you can never marry her again. That they have to get divorced. Once they reach the point, as Rashi points out, of 24 months, that's how long this restriction is. The reason why we learned, I think yesterday we learned this, is that we're concerned about the weaning of a child too early that may lead to his death. Again, we, uh, we don't have these issues nowadays because I did a bris this morning. They're not, she's not nursing at all. Yeah, whatever the difficulties were, they're just bottle feeding. So we don't have, we have totally different issues. I took one of my kids to the doctor today for a little bit of a stomach issue. And do you use this kind of formula? Did you use that kind of formula? Nutramagen and all the different, uh, all the different types of uh, whole different world. But in the times of the Gemara, weaning a child too early was was very was very dangerous. They didn't have what to supplement. Cow's milk. I mean, we don't give cow's milk to babies at this age. So what did they give? They needed breast milk. That's what they need. A wet nurse. It's a whole big complication. So. <laughs> the kids are Nimrats. We uh, had to wait 24 months. How do you know that this din of Rav Meir in the Brisa of marrying his friend who unfortunately passed away, of marrying his wife during the 24 months, how do you know that that's comparable to Rabbi Eliezer, who says that in our case, he needs to divorce this woman even if the child is born? The cases are not identical. Dilmalohi, maybe they really are not comparable. Maybe you cannot say that Rav Meir and Rabbi Eliezer are on the same page. Because Adkan Lokama Rabbi Eliezer Hacha, Rabbi Eliezer in our case is only saying what he saying so strict because because you're very very close you are on the precipice of sleeping with someone that's an iser derisive that's why in our case we're going to say we're going to be super strict there the whole concern about the 24 months and the weaning a child yes it's scary maybe it's scary but the whole din is a din derabanan i'm not saying you should do it it's still an iser derabanan it's a bad idea you might kill the baby but Ladina, it's it's not a din derisa. So maybe Kirabanan Svirale, maybe he'd hold like the Rabbanan in our case. Um, uh, the Rabbanan in our case are more lenient. Inami, another reason why Rab Meir and Rabbi Eliezer might not be on the same page is because two-thirds of the way down, Ad Khan, Rabbi Meir Hasam, Elamishum de Rabbanan, the Chachamim Asu Michel Torah. Sometimes, sometimes the rabbis have to put their foot down more than what's said in Chumash. You have to, like, it's public policy. You know, like if people take a course in public policy, you have to think about policies that work for the people. We have this in halacha as well. So sometimes Chazal had to be more machmir than what we would have thought would have been the case 
by a din because the derabanan, someone's going to mess around and make a mistake. So says the Gemara, maybe over here, by the case of the friend's wife, the friend who passed away, his wife who's pregnant, maybe you're not going to be makbid enough. We're going to take it the extra mile. And what's going to be the din? Super strict, you're never allowed to marry her again. But in our case, when we're dealing with a din where you could literally violate an iser deoraisa by being with her, there we don't need such a strong, everybody knows it's a big iser deoraisa. You don't need to put up a sign, please don't sleep with someone else's spouse. Everybody knows what the din is. It's not a shiloh. All We have enough dine deoraisa that are, that are, you know, Padding around that, we have yichud, and you have so many surim you have to violate before you get to that. But by din there is no padding, so maybe it's just asu chizuk ledivrei yosir michel Torah. So therefore, there's no raya brura that Rav Meir holds like Rabbi Eliezer one way or the other. The Gemara continues its analysis of our Mishnah. We had said that uh, according to the Chachamim, they actually need a get. This makes sense. Had it been that we would have thought that they just have to separate from one another during this period of time, uh, so then we might have thought we might have thought that it just means that they have to, you know, it's like taking a separation. Uh, we, we're separated. No, you have to actually get divorced. It's not just some. You live in different houses. One more sigi for the night. It'll take us until the two dots, about 15 lines down in Laman Zayin. Let's continue. Hasam, we have a Mishnah. Tnan. Is it a Tnan or a Tanya? It's a Tanya. Hasam, Tanya. We have a Brisa. And this Brisa is quoted in Masechah Shabbos, Dav Kuflamid Hey. Ooh, and on Dav Pei over there. Okay, fine. So we've learned this before. Rashbag Omer. Kol Shashoha Be'adam Lamed Yom Eino Nefil. Any child that lives for 30 days is not a nafil. What's the inference from that? If a child doesn't live that long, they live 20 days, that is considered a sveka as to whether or not that's a leda. It's not our standing assumption. We typically assume that less than 30 is not a bar kayama, and 31 is a bar kayama. But in the Gemara's inference from this b'risa, it's, it's a suffix. What do the Amoraim say about this b'risa? Itmar. Itmar is always a word that introduces an Amoraic comment. Mace b'soch lamed yom. Let's say that a child, Rachman of Litzlan, dies uh, within 30 days on day 20. And the mother is v'amda v'nizkadcha. Now she really should not be doing this because uh, we are afraid that she might still have some type of zika to the initial husband. If there is a suffix about this child being a bar kayama, then there's also a suffix about whether or not she has a din of yibum. What did she do? Five lines from the, the Gemara, v'amda v'nizkadcha. So what do we do now? Ravina mishmei derava amar, im eishes Yisrael hi choletzes. If she married, if the guy that she married, again, it wasn't the Yavim, she married a random guy. If the guy she married was a Yisrael, then let's just do Chalitza to cover all of our bases. Because if the baby is a Suf, if the baby in the Suffolk, if the baby is uh, is actually not considered to be a Bar Kayama and Chalitza was required, no problem. Problem solved. Good. What if she's married to a Kohen? Well, if she's married to a Kohen, the Chalitza will cause some very, very damaging issues for the marriage because then they have to get divorced. So therefore, because we're dealing with a Suffolk, the Imeshes Kohen, he Eina Choletzes. That is a big kula that we would say that if she is a um, that if she's married to a Kohen, we don't even require the chalitza. We allow the suffix to ride out and we assume that there is no halachic concern. 
What kind of ridiculous question is that? A Kohen cannot be married to a Chalitza. So therefore, if you're concerned enough that when she marries a Yisrael that he needs to do Chalitza, you should be equally concerned when she's married to a Kohen, even if it has bad results. Yes, that happens sometimes, but you should not have done, you shouldn't have done what you did. You should not, this woman should not have gone to say available for marriage, even for a Kohen. You made a mistake. So therefore, whereas the, uh, the first shita here, Ravina says that we don't do chalitza in the case of uh, where she's married to a Kohen, Rav Masharshia says that we do. Amar le Ravina, the Rav Masharshia. Ravina says to Rav Masharshia, I don't really disagree with you, but Orta, Amar Rav Hachi, at night, when Rava first taught this last night in the base Medrash, he said what you said. And in the morning, he actually changed his mind. Rashi. I heard him say, So in this case, let's review the case. The baby dies, Rahman al-Islan, on day 20 from birth. He is a Suffolk Nafel. If he's a Suffolk Nafel, she's a Suffolk Yavama. And then she does something wrong and she goes and gets married to a coin. Do we need Chalitza or not? Machloka Samurai. So says the Gemara, Omar Lei. Sharisu, you're going to be lenient here. Can you do me a favor? While you're throwing the Torah out, can you also please make the fats on that animal kosher? They probably taste great. Little tongue in cheek, a little bit of a bite. Why are you being so lenient? Anyways, the question uh, comes up like this, based on this Gemara. Three lines down, Lamed Zayin Let's say that this woman who is a Me'uberes Chavero, all right, so she is your, she is a, a the friend who died. This is his wife. She's pregnant and or nursing, uh, or she's a pregnant or nursing, and she's married to a Kohen during those 24 months. My, do we extend the same leniencies of not forcing them to divorce? Yes or no? If she's married to a Kohen, do we have to go through the same route that we went through before, or can we, or can we use some leniencies? These two cases, how can you possibly compare them? The case of Rav Shimon ben Gamliel of a Suffolk Nefel, and the case of this woman who is a Me'uberes Chavero or Menekes Chavero. There, at least there's a dissenting opinion by Rav Shimon ben Gamliel in the case of Sveika. He says it's a Suffolk. But the other, the Rabbanan hold, it is considered a Vlad. So then, we don't have an option. We don't want to break up their marriage if we can, and therefore we can hold like the sheet of the Rabbanan, all is well and good. The baby is considered to be a Vlad, therefore there is, uh, everything is fine. Everything is perfect. We're good to go. Aval hacha, but here in the case of the Meuberes Chavero, Keman Navid, who do you want to hold like? Irkirab Meir. If you want to say that we should hold like Reb Meir, well, he's strict. Ha'amar Yotzi Velo Yachzir Lamis. We saw that on the bottom of Lamid Vavamid base. Vikirabon and Hamre beget one way or the other, they have to get divorced. So the Gemara ends without clarifying this case and basically saying that these two cases are not comparable. The case of Rashbag, where he speaks about the Suffolk Nefel, and the case of the Muberes Chavero, those two cases are not similar. One last case to bring us to the two dots, and then we'll stop. Says the Gemara Itmar, Kitsha Besoch Shlosha Ubarach. Let's say that they uh, that uh, that uh, they were halachically betrothed uh, within three months of her having been married to someone else, Ubarach, and then he ran away. Bad husband. Well, what do we do? So it says, what? Well, I'm going to judge him. I'm just going to judge him. You, 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 yeah, yeah. But let's see what he does in the Gemara. I will let the Gemara tell the story, you know. Right? <laughs> A little cheating.
Says the Gemara, yeah. This is a machlokes. Some say we should put him into cherem. This is uh, one of the tools that we use to prevent agunos, is that we put someone into cherem. This uh, whole big debate, this took, uh, we've heard these stories in Brooklyn and wherever, they sent a group of uh, Yiddish thugs to go break this guy's knees to give his wife a divorce. That's a big shayla in halacha, whether or not that's actually a divorce. That could be called a get meusa. A get meusa is a get that is basically forced. And the Rambam has this language of kofen osoach that we even beat the guy until the point that he's close to death because there we say really rutzon of the Baal is, is, is neshama. His neshama wants to do mitzvos. Okay, his goof is a behemoth. He's a rush on the outside, but he still has a Yiddish neshama. The postkim discuss this and they don't allow for the beating of people. We should, I'll say befemale, please don't beat people to get out of aguna situations. Uh, one of the best ways to prevent a good situations is to have couples sign a prenup. The RCA's prenup, the prenup that's out there, the standard text, or by first use, it's a different text. Everyone should be signing a prenup. For the few weddings that I've had the opportunity to do or the burden to do, I don't know which one, I always make the couple sign a prenup. I make sure it's notarized. I send it into the RCA. Zero cases of Aguna when there's a prenup because it's legally binding halachically and in court that the husband is obligated, the recalcitrant husband is obligated to pay X number of what? Recalcitrant. Art scroll. Art scroll uses the word actually, but that's what an aguna is. It's a, he's a jerk is the simple, simple English term. It's not so friendly, but these people are not nice. They're trapping their spouses. Anyways, the way that the prenup works is it basically forces the husband to pay uh, it's not an outrageous amount of money. I thought it was $500, but I recently looked. I think it's $150 per day. Huh? No, I'm trying to find your word. <laughs> it's not my word. Haven't lost a step. So says the Gemara. So the first sheet that says, what do we do with this guy? He ran away from the altar. Haret Mikudeshesi gives her the ring and then he bolts. They're not married yet. They're just, they're partially married. It's only Kedusha. So Achadam or Misham or no, his intentions are actually not bad. Iruke Mistaye, the fact that he ran away, it tells us what he's doing. He's waiting until the time that he's actually allowed to marry her because she's within her three months. He's going to come back. That's the assumption of the Gemara within the Shita. And Hava Uvda, there actually was a story like this. Taka, the Amar, the Hurafram, don't worry. Iruke Mistaye, she's not really trapped. He's going to come back after three months. We'll stop right here and Amir Tashem pick up tomorrow with Avlam and Zion. Wishing you all a beautiful night.